All right, so here's the main thesis for this episode is that every <laughs> every healthy married couple should not only prioritize sex, but they should also uh, prioritize communicating on the topic of sex. Does that, does that make sense? Is that a, yes. So that's the whole premise of this episode. And so this theme for this month, as we talked about last week, if you missed an episode, go back, check it out. We do a kind of a primer on communication in general. Uh, what it is, the function it serves, and, and how we are to approach it as Christians. Uh, but so this is part of our communication series this month. And so today we thought, let's merge these topics of sex and communication. Because, as Selena, you pointed out in one of our conversations, sex itself is a form of communication. Mm. I'm sorry, I've just got, let's talk about sex, baby, <laughs> just yeah. running through my head. Avoid that kind how of could stuff. you not? <laughs> Because total like eighties nineties kid, we are the professional marriage folk, yes. and we're not supposed to be, we're not supposed to succumb to those not to be street youths, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Yeah, so we're talking about talking about sex and how sex in itself is communication, but namely we want to bring to you um, six kind of habits, or we used that word last week. Uh, six conversational approaches around your sex life as a couple. Uh, of course, we will undergird that with a biblical view of sex. Uh, it's going to be a good talk. See you on the other side. Welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast, where we believe that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and refuses to give in. Here we'll share openly and honestly about all things marriage, sex, communication, finances, priorities, purpose, and everything in between. Laugh, ponder, and join in on candid, gospel-centered conversations. This is Fierce Marriage. I think it's easy to assume that we can just be good at sex and be good at talking about sex, right? And if we're not, then... Well, I guess we'll just get better somehow, right? I, I think we can just sort of end there in our mind, and I believe that there's a higher way, there's a better way that we as Christians, a married couple, can talk about sex because the motivation is different. The heart yeah. orientation is different. I want to ask you, though, honestly, I'm not just trying to be devil's advocate here, but do you think it's easy to assume that that we don't need to talk about it? Do you think that, I mean, I'm picturing couples because i've never thought like we're just awesome at it we need to figure no we i need just to talk or figure it out so I, I don't know maybe it's not something that maybe crosses couples that their radar I don't think it because there's this implicit belief that's that what i'm saying you should just follow your passions where your passions no, not that. go and <laughs> well, your passions will drive your sexual I think experience that's an assumption yeah i think that's I easy that. it's an easy assumption that's what i was trying to say i wish you would just understand <laughs> and read my mind no, that's why i'm all the time we're talking about this so <laughs> That, yeah, and I could see couples, so they, and they feel like this taboo in a sense, right? If they've, I'm picturing the couple who uh, is got engaged, got married, they they had a great, you know, first couple of years. Although it might have been rocky in some spots because the first years of marriage tend to be a little bit of a learning Crazy. curve. And then they they kind of hit cruising altitude a little bit, and they're they 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 feel like their sexual experience kind of could use a little bit of growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, could use a little bit of. Uh, inspiration inspiration there you go inspiration but they don't know how to talk about it because they feel like well it's just supposed to be this spontaneous kind of 
movie-like yeah. experience. Where it's all it's, our expectations yeah. about everything, about our expectations on talking about it, our expectations of how it should be, mm-hmm. and our expectations of how our spouse should respond to how we're talking about it, right? We have all these, like, notions and well, thoughts. Like a, and we how, where do you talk even, about it is the thought. Right, like, we right. should just... It sh- why isn't it passionate? Does it mean that we don't love each other as much yeah. or that our love is fading? Which is why we should be talking about yes, it. Yes, and so we're here to tell you, you need we need to prioritize this conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen on its, on its own, by itself. Nope. And, and a healthy sex life is not something that we naturally as humans are inclined to cultivate. Our, our inclination in this area is to be extremely self-centered and to be uh, self-focused and we, we can forget God's design, his stamp of approval on this thing, mm-hmm. and kind of the boundaries within which he has given us to flourish, not just survive, not just get it done, get the act done, get on with your life, but mm-hmm. to thrive in this area, to flourish in your sexual experience. We have the whole book of the Song of Solomon to thank for this, to, that God has, he's unequivocally proven to us that he's not a prude in the area of <laughs> yes. sex. And so we should not be prudish either. Does that sound all right? Sounds good. No, I was just thinking when you said um, our default is to be self-centered. And I'm thinking, yes, we are self-centered. But how are we, how am I as a wife, how can I tend to be self-centered? Sometimes I can, my tendency doesn't look like, hey, give it to me the way I want it. It's more like, can we just hurry this up? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And so, yeah. I don't know. I just think it's good or to I just don't want that. you to be upset. So what? what is it going to take to make, right. to, just to keep peace? Right. Or just like, be, get this, even let's just standpoint. exist and get this done because there's a lot of other things to do. Like you you hate, you don't want to have that attitude of it just, it just adding to the list, but that hmm. it kind of sometimes falls that way. But at the same time, can we talk about how, even if it falls that way, we can still connect and glorify hmm. God in that. So it's just some questions, just some thoughts swirling around. Yeah. And I think on the husband side, uh, it, the selfishness, the way it looks, if we don't have these open lines of communication around this, what will happen is, and what we've seen happen so often is a husband starts to feel maybe um, like the, the his, their sexual experience is nothing like what he was hoping for, dreaming for, for whatever reason, mm. whether that's just, you know, twisted desires sure. or even just desires that are, are, they might be good and right and not perverted in a way. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but like not twisted. Yeah. And so what, what could happen is if a husband feels like he can't broach this topic with his wife or he feels like it's just not a conversation that it doesn't occur to him that right. this conversation needs to happen. The temptation, um, the, it's easier to fall into temptation. Yeah. It's easier to see the validity in the objects that are the objects of our temptation. Right. Usually it's pornography or just a sexual thought or maybe lingering on, you know, on the internet a little bit too long. Mm. And and that's kind of where, that's the seed of, of some sort of a, an affair, whether it's an emotional affair, a, a non-physical sexual affair. And what I mean by that is a lustful relationship with mm-hmm. maybe images or videos on the internet, right? God... Jesus called that like adultery is having those lustful thoughts. Mm. And so there's a, there's a lot to be gained in this area of having healthy communication around sex and seeing sex for the communication that it is. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, long intro, long intro. Did you forget we were? No, 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 I just, you you know, it's got taken away. Just swept away. (laughs) Swept away with the conversation. (laughs) All right. If you guys want to help us out, uh, we would really appreciate it. A rating or a review or both. Go to the podcast app of your choosing and just spend, you know, it probably takes like 30 seconds, 45 seconds to hit one of the star things. 
preferably the star rating thing all over to the right. Happens to be the fifth one of the <laughs> very, stars. Very gratifying. <laughs> it's just, the other ones don't. Don't even try those ones. Just do the fifth star. <laughs> um, and uh, write a little review. Well, how has this podcast helped you? If it has helped you, just let us know. Let someone else know that grows the podcast and it grows uh, kind of the rapport that we could have yeah. with people that might join in. If you want to get on, be on mission with us, uh, you can join Patreon.com. That's a community of people who get early, uh, early access to the episodes as we're able to complete them early enough <laughs> to provide early access, which is about 75% of the time. Um, and they also, we, they get all kinds of free stuff, uh, but they, more than anything, you get to be part of this mission and this movement that is fierce families, fierce marriage. Uh, we would love to have you on board there. By the way, if you join, you get out, you get some books, you get, I think at the $10 a month level and up, you get access to our, our, uh, our course ecosystem, which is growing by the week. Um, and so we'd love to have you in there. Just go to patreon.com slash fierce marriage. Okay. All right. So today, like we mentioned, we're talking about uh, talking about sex. So in other words, what does your conversational life as a couple, how have you approached this topic is mm. the question. Think, think to yourself. How do we talk about sex? How, let's talk about us for a second because I, I feel like this is an area that we've grown in and we, sure. we still can grow in. But, um, of course. I mean, that's just like the, of course you can always keep growing, but I don't know what, what about our talking about sex strikes you as particularly helpful? I think once we figured out that it are kind of our, we spoke our expectations to each other. Like we, you know, whatever they were, I think early on in our marriage, you know, again, you have expectations of it's going to be spontaneous it's always going to be passionate and we're always going to just like it's just going to be this glorious rapturous moment and (laughs) I mean it sometimes it is and a lot of times it it can be but there's I think there's also when once we started figuring out okay this can't happen like this all the time maybe for some people it does but we need to be a bit pragmatic about it just because we need to have a schedule because if we don't talk about when we should when the ideal time is for the husband or the wife or both um we're never going to do it or it's just going to be sprung upon us or you know it's just kind of that weird in between of so you want to you know (laughs) and so it's I think that was one big step for us was saying okay hey every two to three days is about where we fall and I think we could go one to two or, you know, two days is, is, and we've grown in how we can communicate that to each other. So it's not right. like, Hey, I need this now. Or, you know, you're just taking cold showers seven days a week or something, <laughs> you know, it's like we, we had to grow in that because there was a lot of, I think, missed expectations. Right. So just really laying that, that foundational uh, conversation of what is the right rhythm for us in terms of like daily or weekly? Yeah. What, and be, and like? not making, and then how do we talk about it when those rhythms are at play? And when you are talking about yeah. it, not saying, making sure to voice, I guess the fact that I'm, I'm not saying this, this is what you need to do. I'm saying I'm presenting my desires mm-hmm. and the things yeah. that matter to me. And then you're going to present yours. And then how can we yeah. walk through this together? Yeah. And then talking around all the other things, the, the peripheral uh, aspects of our sex life, meaning like you you ask me all the time, like, how's your like thought life? How's your, you know, purity in terms of what you're looking mm-hmm. at? And, 
and and I'm just promised to never lie to you in that. Right. And that has that has created a ma- an immense amount of sanctification and holiness in in our own marriage in in my so life as a man. Built a lot of trust. And, and, yeah, and so being being willing to talk about these things, you guys, I can't overemphasize this, but it is a game changer to mm-hmm. to to be willing to talk about this and then to have the tools in your hands to talk about it. But even more than that, and this is where we're going to spend some more time is uh is is understanding the underlying reasons for why sex is so immor- important, why it's so great mm-hmm. and why it's worth prioritizing right and why it's worth talking about and it's good and right and true and healthy right to, to prioritize sex and to prioritize talking about sex right and then we're going to talk through five uh kind of five things that all couples need to talk about <laughs> right uh, in order to be good at it to be good at sex right i think we all <laughs> want to be good at sex right in your marriage obviously that's just you and your spouse right like it needs it, you can have a desire to be good at it and that's okay. And this will be a game changer if you as a couple can really embrace this. Now, here's where I want to contrast it. We're not talking about this from a sexual liberty, like uh, from a worldly self-actualization standpoint. We're not trying to, to somehow squeak, squeeze in the right. sexual liberation ethic of the 1960s. We're going to talk through that a little bit. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to import worldly values and say, listen, you need to be free to talk about this because it's all about expression. It's all about individualism. It's all about self-actualization. We're not saying that. Sex is bigger than us. It's more beautiful than we could imagine. And it's more pure than we could ever hope for if we submit ourselves into God's plan. And it's plan. foundational. Its foundation lies in the Bible. Like God mm, yeah. is the one who created it. And so yeah. stepping from there and contrasting that that just the path just go it divides like you're at a T. You either believe that God created it for certain purposes mm. and reasons and within certain boundaries, or you don't, and you live out whatever that path is. And so, mm. yeah, if you know us, you know what path we take. <laughs> yeah, but let's let's be really clear about it. So I, I, I do want to draw that kind of that fork in that road. Okay, so a little bit of a back story here. You you might know this if if you already know this, it's just going to be a review. And the point is, I'm trying to illustrate. Uh, how our culture's tendency is not to err toward health and wholeness in this area. Our Mm. culture tends to to go the opposite way. doesn't mean there's not any redeeming um, kind of aspects of these revolutionary times that Mm. were the result of. But I think there was a, again, these are are the culmination of years and years and years of philosophical thought, namely postmodernism, deconstructionism, and kind of the way they worked themselves into the popular culture, into the popular scene, Around sexuality, mm-hmm. namely back in the in the sixties, right? Remember the sixties, like the decade of love, right? That was the whole thing, and the whole. Well, that was a result of the fifties, though, too. <laughs> okay, yeah, and so it was kind of the the pendulum swing in the opposite way. Mm-hmm. In the four, I mean, the the previous fifty years, really, we're talking about uh, Western culture, namely in the U.S. Uh, you had, in a lot of ways, a negative view of sex, even though it was more traditional. It was it was also really negative. Because there was this um, undue uh, kind of prudishness that had, like, it was basically uh, people saw sex because it was physical, because it was had to do with the flesh. It was therefore anti-spiritual, anti-holiness, and bad. And that comes from like a Platonic kind of Hellenistic uh, philosophical view of it. We've talked about that in the past, mm-hmm. and so that's where you get people that are just like, sex is just dirty. It's just dirty in itself. It's a bad thing. Like we, we engage in sex because we have to, and if we enjoy it, like we do so quietly, we don't, we don't. Or just for reproduction. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. We okay. have to because yeah. it's, and and but other than that, like if we're not, we shouldn't just do it just to to have 
to have a good time. Yeah. And that that was the belief. That was the belief. For and so the 60s, we kind of saw the, the pendulum swing the other side and they call it kind of the decade of love. And of course, they're importing they're using a biblical idea and they're importing all this other stuff. And what they meant was basically free love mm -hmm. and love. That was love. I'm using quotation marks, quotation fingers, <laughs> but love that was detached from the covenant. The co well, <laughs> physical love that was yeah. detached from any sort of inhibition. Yeah. And so that was uh, known as the sexual liberation movement or sexual revolution. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it started in the sixties and, and it goes back to, I say postmodernism. So if you're not aware of what postmodernism is, Basically, it's the school of thought that says that there is uh, everything is, is is relative. Everything is subjective. All absolute standards, all objective reality, is brought into question, hmm. and it's only um, it's only valid insofar as it's it's experienced. And so everything has been kind of. Um, so what would be the drawback of that then? Well, there's no absolute truth, right? Um, and there's no there's no standard by which to measure these things, mm -hmm. and so uh, that begins the de that that gives way to deconstruction, which is basically the idea that words, as they are put forth, only have meaning as they are assigned by the the perce the perceiver. So, so like, words are being redefined. Uh, I wouldn't y yes, but not so overtly as that. Okay. So. Jacques Derrida, he was a, a French philosopher who kind of led the deconstruction movement. He died early this um, early this century, and he um, his whole thing and one of the things he said is like, "There's no objective meaning to the text," hmm. and that and so basically what he's saying, and this is if you take it to the nth degree, is like you and I could write a book on marriage. We could say marriage is great, and he would say, "Okay, well, regardless of what you mean as authors, I'm going to read the words marriage is great." And I'm going to interpret those however I decide to interpret those, regardless of what your intent was. Mm. And so we see this. A little dangerous, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, the way I would – I actually wrote a little piece on this, and here's what it says. It says, while I won't take the time to chronologue cultures sprint away from, biblical, from a biblical ethic of sex, I will say that it's accelerated in the past 50 years, and the most recent heat around gender identity, pronouns, sexual preference, etc., cetera, are, are the proverbial wheels flying off the axles from decades of increasing speed wobbles nice. in this area. Yeah. And so we're kind of seeing, and I feel like coming to, mm -hmm. like, the, the wave is cresting. Mm. And what's happening is now that all these thoughts are, are actually finally seeing their like they're the, being brought to light they're, well and they're actually and they're being, being realized out. in yeah. real life and now you're getting people who are not christian who don't have a christian worldview who are now pushing back at the insanity hmm. uh, and they're saying of deconstruction of deconstruction of, of uh of the woke, woke movement all that kind of stuff and they're basically in cancel culture and uh, namely there's a lot of heat around the the um i even hesitate to say this but this that, because i don't want to get filtered out <laughs> by the way go to patreon.com support us uh because who knows how long this podcast will be allowed <laughs> but uh, the, like transgenderism and the pushback against the that in terms of like mm -hmm. the studies that are showing how it's just it's pretty much there's not not there's nothing redemptive about it, it especially allowing our young young children to go mm -hmm. through the transitions and stuff and just the science that they're not even Christian and they're coming right. out and saying like, this is damaging to society. Right. So society has, has completely detached itself from any sort of, of sexual ethic that is rooted in a greater reality. Cause it's all about, this is the, 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 on the bedrock of postmodernism is it's all about the individual. Mm -hmm. It's all about individual 
experience, uh, experience expression, perception, and individual self-actualization. Hmm. And so I need to actualize myself however I can at any cost. And self-actualization looks like anything that I feel to be right, good, and true, regardless hmm. of whether it's actually right, good, and true. Wow. So here so we are. Contrast that with a biblical worldview. So okay, so the biblical <laughs> worldview um, it is 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 as you can imagine, it's very different. It's sex is not just physical, and that's one of the big pieces of of the the postmodern sexual revolution is it's detached your the fleshly sexual experience in that I am a body, but I'm but and so my soul is in a sense detached from the sexual things that I do, mm. like me having sex with any any person, if I want to do it. It, the only consequence is going to be physical. So we protect from things like STDs. We protect from things like sexual um, violence, which, of course, we want to protect from all these things. But they don't take into account, like, there's an emotional... Right. There's an emotional toll here. Right. There is a spiritual toll. There's a relational toll that a woman who gets married... Now, God is redemptive, okay? God is good. He he can make beauty from the ashes, and he works miracles in lives of individuals every day, especially around this area as couples get married and they find reconciliation in this area. But the secular view is I should be able to have sex with as many partners as I want, as long as I want it. If I want it, I should have it. And I should have it with other people who want it. And how dare you tell me otherwise? Mm. And the worldview says that that will bear no negative consequence further down Hmm. the road in your life. Right. Um, And that's not the the Christian worldview says that sex is something bigger. Right. It's not just physical. Right. It is the sign of something bigger. Namely, it's the sign of the covenant of marriage. So uh, the covenantal theme in Scripture, I won't mm-hmm. get into it, but every covenant, every promise that God makes with his people has a sign mm-hmm. associated with it. Um, and so, But the covenant between man and woman in marriage also has a sign, and it's sex. And we see that in the garden uh, in Genesis 2.24. The two, uh, they, basically, they, they will become one flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jesus echoes that later on in the New Testament, hmm. um, that the man will leave his family and, and cling to his wife, hold mm-hmm. fast to his wife, cleave to his wife, right. and they were naked and unashamed. Mm. Um, that's the consummation. That's why. Right. Wow. And so it's a consummation of a deeper covenant. In other words, the se- sex in a biblical uh, standpoint is not just physical. It is physical, and that's okay. It's not bad, but it's also relational. It has to do with the relationship I have with this one woman. It's relational. Mm-hmm. I can't detach it. As soon as I detach it from relationship, I objectify my wife or I objectify others. Mm. Okay. It's Goodness. emotional. Yeah. There's an emotional aspect to it. Yeah. It's, you can deny that as much as you want, but it's an absolute. It makes you feel closer yeah. to each other. Uh, look at Song of Solomon, like the whole push and pull there between the lover and the beloved, the husband mm-hmm. and the wife, the chasing and the and the following and the, the rapturousness that it is, mm-hmm. that there's no doubt that God designed sex and prescribed it to be an emotional right. event it's an emotional thing and then finally it's spiritual and that's the whole becoming one flesh piece it's spiritual because it is the ceiling it is the sign of the reminder of the covenant that we share with one another when we are together intimately mm-hmm. it's what is the what is the phrase that exchange is exchanged most often and i'm getting a little more personal now but the, the exchange the words that are exchanged most often are i love you mm. in those moments mm-hmm. Right. It's an ex- it's a reminder. I am choosing. I choose you. I still choose you. I chose you. Mm. And this is a reminder of that. It's a sign of I am not going anywhere. Right. And that's a covenantal bond. So right. that that can be kind of picked apart. The thing I want to do the most here, though, is, again, we're going to talk about 
having these conversations, but the important underlying thing when we talk about sex is understanding its context. It is not just a physical thing. When we view it as a, phys- as a physical, spiritual, emotional, relational thing, now it's not just, all right, here's the things, here's the laundry list of things that I want to do in sex someday. Right. A, B, C, D, and E, and a little X, Y, and Z. And once we do those things, I'm going to be a happy husband, and you better figure it out, right? That's just looking at the physical. When I see it as a relational thing, mm-hmm. it now it's now not just about Ryan. It's not just about Selena. It's about how can we enjoy each other more fully? Right. And that could look like, Selena, tell me what, like, how can I, what, what do you like? Mm. And that might be a little awkward at times, but what do you prefer? Right. And you might say, you know, I don't honestly know, but I'll let you know when the time comes. <laughs> and so we've talked about it now. Yeah. And so in the moment I can say, are you okay? Right. Like, what can I do for you? Like, what's, mm-hmm. are you good? Like, do you need anything right now? And, <laughs> and you've been really good about saying like, yeah, you know what? Or no, I'm good. It just depends on the moment. Right. 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 Um, so I want to walk through a little bit and just kind of flesh this out even more. And then we'll get into the six things that we can talk about. Um, but I, I want to trace it, and this is why I think sex is, is so uh, – it's so much deeper and so much greater when we, when we realize that sex is it, – it is, it is good because it, is, because it has a design. Excuse me. So sex is good because it has a design, mm-hmm. and that design is what makes it good. I would argue that the designer <laughs> oh, yeah. is what okay. makes it good. Yeah, well, and the design's not just like... It's uh, not arbitrary, of course. It's not something it's... that happened, you know, even in any human history. Right. Like God designed it. Right. With the first couple. Right. Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And then he gave them a command as a re- at the same time, a parallel command. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Mm. And so they're designed with a purpose. Uh, and that's where I want to get to. Is God's design for sex is largely encapsulated in the traditional Western view, which is this. It, okay. I don't want to say Western view because it's not actually a Western view. It's a... Near Eastern view because it right. came from the garden, uh, and it's not something that Western culture came up with. Uh, so, but when I say traditional, this is what usually people picture, right? And mm-hmm. it's usually the traditional Western view. They're not saying the traditional traditional Hebrew view. Gotcha. <laughs> That's why. Um, so here it is, and just in progression, sex belongs in marriage alone, uh, and marriage is between one man, one woman for life. Mm-hmm. And this is, and you see the progression. And therefore, sex is a sign of the, this marriage covenant, one based on spiritual relational union, commitment, and biblical love. In other words, covenant sex as the covenantal exp- sex is a covenant expression that takes on emotional, spiritual, physical, relational weight that is only available within the design context. Hmm. Okay, so let's just tease that out a little bit. We've talked about this a lot, but covenant gives you love a place to grow. Mm. And it's the arena in which the battle of love. Right. Between you can sp- fail. You, you can, can yeah. fight. You can work it out together. And there's this this safety mm-hmm. of your covenant. Yes. And it's, again, it's that reinforcement that says, I'm not going anywhere. Right. This covenant is here. Therefore, let's work on this aspect of our lives. Right. And see how that's a much safer place. You had mentioned, um, uh, we were talking about how we used to feel like, oh, sex has to be passionate all the time. Otherwise, it's not like real, a real sexual experience. If we plan it, we take the spontaneity out of it. That honestly feels to me like somebody else used this, this analogy. If like you're out in the wilderness and you have to survive, then sure, you could probably start a fire like with a little bit of tinder, with a little bit of sure. some smaller sticks, a flint. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could start a fire that way. But my, my attitude is like, you could start a fire that way and you could do it every way that time, but that gets really tiring and unpredictable. And what if it rains? 
So why don't you bring a lighter? <laughs> why don't you bring some fuel? Why, better yet, why don't you build a house? <laughs> why don't you get out from the wilderness and put your fire in the hearth and sure. let it have a place where it burns and it burns hot? Yeah. And just because you now have a fireplace doesn't mean the fire is any less warm. Mm. It just means now you actually can start a fire whenever you want. It's good. <laughs> and it's super warm. And it's and it could heat your whole home. And here we go. And that's where we it trickles <laughs> down because sex, from a Christian ethic, sex results in children. Mm-hmm. Right? So... Secularly speaking, like we've removed children from the sex equation Mm. and that you can make all kinds of arguments around where that started, why it started, you know, why that school of thought gained momentum, mainly around first, second wave feminism, but now into the third wave, which is basically like uh, very toxic in a lot of ways. Uh, But the point is, is that they've removed like the child from the sexual experience. Yeah. And that happened primarily through birth control. And now it happens tragically um, through the the, the normalization of abortion yeah. in our society. Yeah. In that I only will have a child when I am good and ready to have a child. Mm-hmm. And I should be able to have sex with whomever I want, whenever I want, with zero consequence. And um, we're, not, we're not getting into the nuances of that conversation. We're not trying to be mm. uncompassionate around that topic. And, and right. But I just want to be clear. like There is a separation between... Uh, secularly speaking, between sex and childbearing. Right. There's this part of that. I think it's just the part of the deconstruction, right, of the home, of marriage, of... Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's just take apart every piece and... Mm-hmm. And that's and, and that's counter-biblical. Thinking that we're building a better... <laughs> freer society. Freer society. And it's... The irony is, is it's, you know... It's, it's, it's debilitating. It's not better. It's not freer. It's, not. <laughs> it's uh, It just... The, the blame shifts, the responsibility shifts. And in our culture we see the shift going more and more toward the government. Mm. The government needs to make these decisions, needs to protect. The government needs to right. step in, intervene. <laughs> um, and that's 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 outside of the government's scope, biblically speaking. Right. Okay, I'll go through this quickly. But sex results in children who are considered an immense blessing and perhaps one of the paramount capital B blessings yeah. in the human experience. Children are a blessing. And therefore, so again, walking down the down this progression, sex belongs in marriage. Marriage looks like a lifelong covenant between one man and one woman. Sex results in children because sex is a sign of the covenant. Father, mother, and child comprise the quote-unquote household. Mm. The healthy household involves one mother, one father, and children. Uh, and then healthy households are many representations of the capital F family of God or the church. Mm-hmm. So we have things like family worship. There's headship. So there's good. helpership. There is uh, a complementarian mm-hmm. uh, view of yeah. father, mother, husband, wife. Right. Children see that exemplified. They see a father loving from like Christ loved the church right. from the bottom up, not lording over them, but loving gently from below through service, through yeah. service and through self-sacrifice, mm-hmm. through selfless love. And then healthy churches, okay, uh, households comprise healthy church, which is the macro representation of marriage and family. Remember Christ and his capital B bride, the mm-hmm. church. Okay, so here another another parallel being made. Healthy churches contribute to healthy societies and serve the needy. And healthy churches hearken the one message that leads to human flourishing. In other words, utopia. And that one message is the gospel. And the only route to this quote-unquote utopia is through Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm. And so I, I could I could contrast that to the secular view, but essentially I don't think I need to at I this point. I think we've done that a little bit, yeah. 
But the this utopia that everyone's going for is uh, the only route to utopia is through policy and through government and through activism because they're trying to detach all these so, bon- all these bonds. Non Christians, yes. And so, so that sorry that was a, a kind of a big kind of soapbox moment there, but the point that I'm trying to make in all that is that when we talk about sex as a married couple, it's it it has all that context. Mm. So when we strive for a healthy sex life, when we strive to have healthy communication around our sex life, that's what we're fighting for. Right. That's what's at stake. These are the reasons why. I think yeah. it's, yeah, it's so important to, I don't think we can always, we always think of those things when we're trying to have those conversations. Yeah. And sometimes the easiest way to have those conversations is to go through a worksheet or have somebody else lead you through you know, Mm. some questions or some ways of approaching, especially if you haven't talked about it or you feel very kind of sheepish or unsure about how to talk about sex. Um, I think that's okay. And I think you just need to take that first step. Yeah. So if I had to do a quick summary though, I, I, I just want to say that the, the two big contrasting points that have to do, have to do with I'm just going to coin, I don't, I didn't coin this term, but I'm going to use this term, sexual safety. Okay. So how do we know that sexually speaking, we are on safe ground? Biblically speaking, sex, Christians are sexually safe when our sex is conformed to God's biblical design. Okay. And right. there's a lot of lee, leeway there. It's not, it, it. What do you mean leeway? Cause like the, um, what I mean is that between husband and wife, yeah. there's a lot of room for, for having fun together, for experiencing each other. Uh, gotcha. there's not a lot of don't do that right. is what I'm trying to say. There, there are a few, I think, non-negotiables in the Christian sexual experience, biblically speaking, but by and large, it's a huge playground with lots of fun places to go play. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Again, and I God designed to, it yeah, that way. That. And there is a, there, are, there are boundaries, mm-hmm. right? Christian covenantal marriage, right. one man, one woman for life. But outside of that, like, I mean, I mean, outside of that, inside of that boundary, <laughs> sorry, poor word choice there. <laughs> Okay, so that's sexual safety from a Christian standpoint. Now, from a secular standpoint, sexual safety, uh, they will, you feel sexually safe, quote unquote, when your expression of individualism is unhindered uh, by prejudice, judgment, or any sort of moral constraint. In other words, don't you dare tell me what's right, what's wrong. What's right and wrong is in my heart alone. Mm. And that's where I'm sexually safe. So anything you say against that, that's why people say, don't judge me. Like, yeah, that's why they say, how dare you judge me? You can't, you don't know my experience. Right. And we're sitting here saying like, okay, you're right. We don't know your experience, but we do know that the path toward flourishing in every avenue of life is through the, the Bible's like way, yeah. God's instruction. And it happens to look like this when we talk, when we talk about sex. So that, that, that's the, the contrast around sexual safety. So let's, um, we, that's all very heady. We've been talking for a little while now, um, about 30 minutes. So let's get into, uh, very tangible ways to talk about sex. Does that sound like a good plan? Yeah. I've been talking a lot because I wrote that first part. I'll <laughs> let you right. talk the rest like of the listening. time. Though. Oh, great. <laughs> Come on. Here we you go. You got this. <laughs> you started singing the song and everything. So he's <laughs> that excited about it's, it. I was that excited about it. <laughs> so you said five. We talked about six. I don't okay. know. Where are you going? You got six, five let's or Let's go with six because that's <laughs> – so the, to, full disclosure here, the one of the reasons that we thought this would be uh, apropos – appropriate <laughs> to talk about uh, is because I was on my news feed, which I happen to just get my news from Google. I read headlines. It's a terrible way to get your news, but 
it's become sort of an addiction of mine. <laughs> I just want to read the headlines. Like, I feel like I know what's going on. Anyway, this cup, this, for, for whatever reason, this article from fatherly.com, I don't know anything about this website. I'm pretty sure it's just there's, they talk about dad stuff and maybe some <laughs> other things from a non-Christian worldview. Um, not that it's anti-Christian, but I just don't think that's their foundation. And this article Definitely popped up. It says six things all couples who are good at sex talk about. All right? Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, it'd be really fun to do is talk through each one of these quote-unquote things that couples who are good at sex talk about and think critically, biblically about them yeah. kind of in real time. Right. Is that all right? Yep. Okay. So the first one is they talk about their sex life regularly at the right time. Oh. That was, I was like, whoa. I mean, could have avoided some mistakes there. But. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean at the right time? What are they talking about? They're saying that it's it's good to have good communication about sex. Like you should talk about sex regularly. Hmm. But if it's not at the right time, then it can be misinterpreted as possibly like rejection or misunderstanding, right? Like hmm. it can be more destructive rather than helpful if we're not yeah. in a moment to be an attentive listener and able to ask questions. Yeah. Like if we're just in the middle of like making dinner and that five o'clock weird hour and you're like, Hey, let's talk about sex. You're like, what? Huh? <laughs> yeah. So timing, timing think, is everything. It's not just what you say, but it's when you say it is the I think argument. The more common occurrence, at least for us is to, it's like 10 o'clock at night. Kids are finally in bed. It's been <laughs> 10 uh, o'clock at night. Our kids go to bed well, at like seven thirty. <laughs> well, they've been in bed and we've talked and now it's time to actually like make, make good on this part of our marriage. <laughs> And we never I, try both, to wait that late because of this reason. Yeah, because we're both so <laughs> tired. And then Selena will be like, all right, well, okay, I'm tired. And I'm like, you're too tired for me. <laughs> you don't love me. And you're like, you know, you're just, you're tired. And I'm like, I'm not tired. <laughs> you're tired. <laughs> you're tired. And it ends up being yes, this really tired. unproductive conversation. <laughs> right. And so it's, it only took us about 17 years to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to give you guys a heads up here. <laughs> I like the way they put it in the article. It says you make sure that your your spouse has the emotional capacity, mm -hmm. emotional capacity to talk intimately. Uh, and so what gets me about this point is it says they talk about their sex life regularly. What do you mean regularly? Is it like a weekly occurrence, monthly you thing? You can't work that out with your spouse. I think it's as, long, as often as you need to. Yeah, because some people, they don't need that much I don't know, touch points. <laughs> they don't need to talk about it all the time. Yeah. Well, I think there's a healthy like rhythm of communication that they're probably having. It's personality dependent too, I think. Well, here's the really cool thing about this talking about sex with your spouse, especially within covenantal framework, is that it's a growing body of knowledge. And that one thing we talked about last week, we've talked about that thing. Right. And now we, we have a foundational understanding and now the conversation, so say you have a lot of dysfunction in this area, you could say, let's commit to talking about our sex life once a week for yeah. the next, for the next five or six weeks. Yeah. That's and awesome. then you could say, wow, we're, we're actually improving. Let's make sure we re re revisit this once right. a month. Right. Uh, and you know what? You can do that couples. You don't have to be awkward about it. You can put it on your calendar. You can say this, just put a big S on whatever the, <laughs> the day is that you're going to talk about it. And make sure you have the bandwidth to do so, maybe over dinner or after the kids are asleep. Like, that's what you're going to re reserve your emotional capacity for. Yeah. As that's Christians, good. again, remembering the foundation that we just talked about for 30 minutes of we don't have to be sheepish about this. We can be confident about it and we can walk in assurance 
knowing that God designed this, God purposed sex for our good, for his glory and for fruitfulness. So um, approach it with some godly confidence, I would say. Yeah, I can't. I mean, yeah. And just as another kind of to bolster the point even further (laughs) is I feel like this is the one area where couples, for whatever reason, they don't think they have to plan or strategize around. It's like you'll strategize around your budget, yeah. you'll strategize around your schedule, you'll strategize around your 401ks. I think because it's such an emotional experience right. that we think emotions shouldn't be scheduled probably yeah. in some way. So, but When's the last time you had a blow-up fight about your 401k <laughs> <laughs> or your whatever, your budget, right? Mm, true. You might have fights over your budget, but the point is, is that this one feels like it needs a lot of extra Tender oh, love yeah, and there's, care. there's so much at stake, really. Yeah. Yeah. So number two, they put sex on the calendar and talk about the upcoming date. So we, we've talked about this a lot, scheduling yes. it. And we have weekly kind of, this is when the window th- within which we Well, they're Yeah, will. they're arguing that it's healthy to write down the dates and plan the times to have sex. Um, because they say you can like kind of flirt and tease each other leading up to the actual date mm-hmm. and time. And so and I was like, huh. I never really thought about that. Like, I know we kind of flirt and we, you know, we <laughs> put out the vibe or whatever, but I didn't, you know, you kind of think, okay, I'm a, we're married. This is within our covenant. We can, we can engage in this a little bit more. The man just exudes <laughs> sex. Just get yourself a big tub of cheese balls. <laughs> and husbands, I'm telling you, uh, wives can't resist it. It's just, the office quotes right there. Yeah. I'm always putting out the vibe. I, I don't think I can turn. I can. I can't not. It's true. Put you out can't. The vibe. Ju- you just can't. You just and you can't help it. <laughs> you, you feel the vibe uh, all the time. I also think it's cool because they say scheduling sex increases communication about the upcoming sex, which naturally increases communication about sex overall. Right. So. Okay. However, I will say that you. Uh, you can tend to feel like the expectations are piling up. And then when it comes time, you're just like, <laughs> for sure. What are you going to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> and maybe that's a season thing, right? Like there's and that's a, a lot of trust thing. And yeah. And there's a lot of expectation. And, but we have also cultivated our communication around sex so that I can say, mm. Whoa, like, yeah. I know you're, I know you're wanting this and I'm wanting this, but this is what things are looking like right now. Do you see this? Can we work together? Can we talk about this? And, um, and this is why it's so key to remember the foundation. You guys, I'm talking to husbands. It's not just about you. It's about how how can you approach and love your wife tenderly and want to get at her heart in, in right. this phys- physical exchange. Because it's not just I'm looking forward to this release and right. Well, and, and can I say as a wife though, I feel like it's one of the most loving things that you've done to me when you're, for lack of a better term, letting me off the hook because you just understand me you are trying to get at my heart you're trying to love me and then i'm all the more just taken back by you love me that much i want to i want to love you back and give of myself to you you know and Mm -hmm. so that desire kind of builds and yeah goes grows from there so i i love so again this is number two they put sex on the calendar and talk about the upcoming dates um i just want to caution against lewdness or um yes because i think you know because a couple who could be well-meaning, um, we, we mustn't cheapen sex. Yes. yes. We mustn't cheapen each other, cheapen it for what it is. Remember, it is the sign of the covenant. It yes. is a sacrament in that way. It's it's a consummation of and a reminder of your covenant. Yes. Don't use cheap worldly language to describe that thing. Love your, love your wife 
um, mm. a- as the woman of God that she is. She's not an object for your sexual fantasy. Okay. Right. She, can, she, she, don't get me wrong. Like you need to delight in your wife, but she is not just a means to an end. Is what I'm trying to say. Right. So your language and leading up to it, husbands, wives should be, should reflect that. And, and I never want to say anything to you, no matter how like sexually charged or well-meaning it is. I don't want to say anything to you that makes you feel, uh, like persuaded or something like or cheapened, cheapened. I got yeah, it. Or I don't want to offend your sensibilities. Yeah. It's unbecoming. And right. I, I don't know. I'm not, you have to use your discernment. I think that, that's but. good to be cautious because there's many ways that you yeah. can definitely cheapen your experience or make somebody feel a little bit more objectif- objectified than and you were intending. A, and there's a healthy sense of reverence that I think we can cult- cultivate around sex. Yeah. For Like revere it for yeah. what it is. Mm. It's a gift. It's a blessing. And it's a serious but a really fun thing. Right. But it's, but it's not a flippant thing. Right. Okay. Enough said on that. So number, number three. Number three, uh, they talk about their likes and dislikes openly. Hmm. Um, they say that se- a sexual wish list is great. Sex is kind of adult play, imaginative and free-flowing. Hmm. Um, there's, you know, they say, uh, let, I'm just trying to word this correctly, I think. I'll jump in then. Yeah. I, f- I, f- I feel like this is this is touching on a, uh, a truth but we need to be really careful yes. in how Biblical we approach it. Biblical worldview, folks. Um, again, in the Christian worldview, in our view of sex, it is enjoyable to the individual, but it's not just about the individual. Individual enjoyment, yeah. I- enjoyment. It's about how can I serve my spouse? How can I give to you? Not how, how can, can I, I take? Love, right. How can I love you? So and how, yeah. you can say, hey, this is a little awkward, and we've done it once in the 10 years that we've done that we've been married, but I thought it was really fun, and I and I would enjoy to try that thing again, whatever it is. Yeah. And within, I'll just say it right now because I feel like it probably needs to be said. But within Christian, with, biblically speaking, I think sec, there's a lot of leeway around how a husband and wife engage in sex, as long as it doesn't call, cause pain, bodily harm, or uh, or dysfunction in in a way. And so for those reasons, and I can make a biblical case for this, but for those reasons, I do believe the one thing that is is very much off limits for a Christian couple is anal intercourse because it causes pain and it causes injury and it it's is, degrading. it is degrading in, in a lot of ways. And it's tradition. And, and that's just from a physical standpoint, from a traditional standpoint, from a like biblical history standpoint, it's, a, it's always been associated with sin. It's always been associated with dominance in a really unhealthy way. Okay. So I'm just going to say that that's, that's, that's the elephant in the room. Uh, aside from that, it's going to come down to your consciences and what you have agreed to and experienced together. That's going to be uplifting and in service of one another. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't want to get any more specific than that because I feel like that's for a husband and wife to figure out. So with that said, talk about your likes, dislikes, talk about them openly. Mm-hmm. I think what's really powerful here is honestly talking about your dislikes. Yeah. Like, with, yeah, and I mean being sensitive to your partner. Right. <laughs> I just, I don't like your face. I really just <laughs> don't like your... You smell yeah. like a foot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you gotta that be sensitive. That never come out. You gotta be sensitive. <laughs> In the moment. That's um, funny. <laughs> yeah, so be sensitive. And the way I, the reason I say dislikes is because I feel like, uh, and you have to, you, you do have to have thick skin. You do have to be really careful when talking around these topics, but that's where you build trust. Right. And the cool thing is, like we said earlier, is it is a compounding body of knowledge. Yes. You do gain more information. Yes. And what's honestly, what might be a like or dislike this, this year might not be 
on that same list next year. Yeah, which kind of, if we keep going down the list, they do talk a little bit more about that. But okay. number four, uh, they talk about their tri- triggers and don't shame their partner. So um, Interesting. Yeah, it says anyone can have tender spots in conversation that bring up past vulnerabilities or issues, but hmm. um, couples who communicate successfully aren't blindsided by those. Instead, they just recognize when those topics come up, own the responses and get past them without placing blame. Hmm. So avoiding language like you always or you never. Um, I think this falls under the camp of being fully known. Right. So I, I generally kind of don't, I'm triggered by the trigger word because I feel like <laughs> it, I feel I like it just need... means like, I don't like that thing. So don't talk about that thing. Cause I feel right. like we need to be a little bit more grown up about these things and we need to have some topics that we can talk about. Yeah. Now I think what they're saying is there are certain, um, there are, well, cer- like you don't want to, you don't want to disregard your, your spouse's history, their past, the things like places right. that are painful for them, right. emotionally speaking. And, and, you know, um, and so talking about those things out, getting those out in the open. Yes. There's, could be really helpful. Yeah. They're, they're saying placing blame should absolutely be avoided at all costs because it unfairly turns our problems into our partners um, when you're talking about sex. So I, I, uh, yeah, I know, I, I know. Yeah. The, the way they're saying it, obviously it's, it's, it's sans biblical mm-hmm. input. Mm-hmm. I think biblically speaking, when you know blaming is is it's a it feels like a very selfish activity yeah. biblically speaking sex is selfless right and so if i'm okay i'll use an example if if we are engaged in in having sex and i feel like um there's a frustration there yeah my i have i have a choice to make i can say my wife is not doing the thing or she's not behaving or giving me what i deserve Therefore, she is the object of blame. Mm-hmm. And that, honestly, it could be the case because we're married to human people. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, we're not, they're not perfect. Or as a husband, okay, I can choose another route. I can say, my wife's she's not flourishing in this moment. She's not okay in this moment. It's not about me. How can I serve her in this moment? Right. Even Which though, is, even though yeah, I might be justified and frustrated and hurt and all, and all that could be valid. But I'm just saying, men, this is an opportunity for you to come you know, to rise die up to yourself, maybe. and to, to, as Matt Chandler says, the, the boy falls so the girl goes free, mm. like to take one for the team mm. and say, how can I serve my wife in this moment? So, uh, all that, to, all that to being said, all that being said, there are very real aspects of the emotional human experience that are worth talking about to make sure that you are sensitive to those. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. I don't know if I like this, that number four, to be honest, I just think, when you talk about sex, you need to be aware of each other's and know each other's pasts and be just loving in how you communicate and not blaming, like you said, but also, um, like, there's not shame around this. We're going to, mm. when I'm saying this, I'm not blaming you. I'm, I'm, this is where this is coming from. Or when, when we yeah. do this or whatever. And I think that, you just have to, we have to own, or if our, if our spouse comes to us saying, when you said this, it felt, made me feel like this and you can own that or you can fight it. Right. The choice is that, but they're saying, yeah. take some accountability, take some ownership in what you're saying. And again, let's bring the Bible back to, back to it. What, where's our yeah. heart? 
uh, orientation in the whole conversation. So yeah. uh, Genesis two twenty five, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Mm. That's in the garden. Okay. And that's, there's no sin. There was no perversion. There was no shame. Uh, the beautiful thing of that is, is sin did enter the picture like three verses later, mm. <laughs> or like the chapter later. Right. However, we are in a di- the, the time of grace and, mm. and of the Holy Spirit and being redeemed by the blood of Christ and saved by the blood of Christ. So shame, shame is not our lot. And so let us not mm. heap shame on one another, mm-hmm. particularly around this area. Let us be open and honest communicators, but let us do so with Holy Spirit infused mm. verbiage, with Holy Spirit infused motivation, with love. Yeah. I think that's, that's a powerful thing. Yeah. Number five. Number five. Uh, and you kind of touched on this a little bit previously. They talk about a sexual menu. So mm. talking, it says just like food, you or your partner can be in the mood for different things at different times. So yeah. when you, you know, like when you said maybe something that you tried wasn't great when you tried it, but maybe a couple of years later you try it and you're like, ah, I like this. Or just even different sexual experiences. We talk, what is ours called? The, the. <laughs> What's I have that? no idea what you're talking that about. That blog post that that Oh the Spectrum of Spectrum sex. of Sex. I can never You're talking remember about like it. something in our sexual experience. Sorry. The only word that came to mind was never mind. <laughs> I'm not gonna <laughs> I say was it. like, oh my goodness. Uh, um, I don't want to have to edit that out. Yeah. Later, so I'm just not gonna say it. Um but they they say under this menu part Foliage. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's not the original word, but that was the word it's that not. thought. Okay. So they, they say have three columns. Uh, first column contains what you like and will do. The second, what you might try. And the third, what you absolutely won't do. And I think huh. applying a biblical uh, view to this, um, that might be a good place to start as far as, far as okay, this is these are kind of my expectations or these are things I like. These are things I would be willing to try. Um, and the absolutes are definitely like, I think they're pretty clear like we mentioned before. So... I, I just can't help it, but we again, we need to root ourselves in the biblical ethic yeah. of sex. It is good and right and 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 glorifying holy to and God. glorifying to God to explore all of these things that you love, things you'd be willing to try, things you don't want to try, and it's all un- with this. You have to remember, like it's the context of loving and serving one another in in this amazing gift that mm. it is, mm-hmm. and it's not just a laundry list of things. Right. And so that's an opportunity. Um, that's an opportunity to be, to be generous to one another right? and not in just say, okay, I'd be willing to try this, but, or like, can you imagine? Okay. We had this conversation and, or a husband and wife have this conversation and there's, <laughs> and they know, and they know that they have these, we talked about the triggers in the previous one. Yeah. They know that there's maybe this, this past that is still bearing its weight and it's still not been completely figured out yet. And the husband says, I will never try that because I know how that, how you might feel. Mm. Like, I'd be willing to try X, I'd be willing to try Y, but Z, although I know that it's probably fine in most contexts. Because I know you. Because I know you, that's off limits for yeah. us. And I'm giving that to you. Like, that's, I never want to hurt you. Mm. I never want to do anything that's going to make you feel that way. Compromised. Or, so that's yeah. an opportunity for generosity. Right. So think through that lens instead that's of awesome. just saying... You know, instead of just being self-focused, right? Like, think and about that's your spouse that's fully what this <laughs> column is written. You know, this is written it's... mostly for like how do you get what you want? Yes. Out so, of it. and we're saying how do you? We give... want, yeah, and we wanted to just run through it like for a biblical perspective because we do this all the time with information. We're constantly filtering, yep. right? Yep. The last one is they talk about and validate each other's sexual strengths. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> 
in my mind. I'm having a hard time. I'm having to filter a lot of things out right now. <laughs> um, uh, in other words, okay, so... Validation, they say, is essential to any healthy relationship, including your sexual one, right? So... I think here's another way to say it. Like, compliment each other. In other words... Yes. Here's what I, lo- I love this about you. Right. Like, when we are engaged, like, this is what drives me nuts in a really good way. Yeah. Uh, they say we... Which I think... Yes, there's sexual this ten- strength just sounds like a really weird thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> like- there's this tendency to just dwell on the negative, hear the negative. Like we all know our shortcomings, right? We all know, we all feel unsure. We all know that we are not good at certain things or are still failing yeah. all the time. But when we hear some sort of encouragement, or and it's, I think it's really special because it's just between you and your spouse. Yeah, um, that makes it all the more weighty, if you will. So. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, learn what phrases kind of speak to your partner, not partner, sorry, your spouse. They yeah. use partner a lot for obvious reasons. We do not. We talk about spouses because sex it's is within a marital marriage. covenant. Uh, that's really good. So uh, let's just do a recap. I, I might want to add a seventh one here that is um, coming to mind. It's our podcast. It's our podcast. <laughs> we can add it. Um, Plus seven, Scott's number, right? <laughs> it's perfection. <laughs> Uh, six is the number of the beast. So, <laughs> like a numerology. Uh, I'm oh only I'm kidding mostly. Uh, so number seven, <laughs> uh, I, I'm adding this one, and I think uh, maybe figure out a way to talk um, productively during sex. Mm-hmm. So you can communicate. Uh, like you don't have to just like it's not all of a sudden that you lose thoughts and you lose words to say as soon as you're actually. Uh, and obviously, you have to take this with a grain of salt okay you don't want to you just just know that it's okay to communicate during the act of sex yes and so you can say it's good it's not just okay it's good i've i've i feel like asking questions is probably the most natural way to communicate like how are you are you like does this you know <laughs> what do I say? just engage lovingly and as if you're a human being within yes. this act and not yeah. just like screaming at your partner or like right or on the yeah on the far end of the spectrum you have a guy who's way too aggressive and completely disregarding how his actions are affecting his wife mm. and she is just kind of uh, ca- like caught up in it and and she feels like she can't say or do anything because he's right. going to react adversely right. and and then everything's all said and done and the guy's thinking wow that was awesome and she's just like okay <laughs> <laughs> right, right right so learn to communicate and right. men so that's what I mean by asking questions is don't just um, don't just assume that right. everything's okay. Uh, it being that you're probably in the more powerful uh, s- side of the equation, just sure. like be the more sensitive one in That's that. That's good. Yeah, and I, speaking. I think the more we, the more you work on talking about sex outside of the bedroom, the better you are at it in the bedroom. To be honest, like mm-hmm. the more we talk about it, the more we have a certain vocabulary around it the easier it is the less words you have to use or you know when you're in the middle of it so yeah and i'll just add this at the end here uh we don't get terribly specific in our conversations we talk mostly about uh timing frequency and like like to be honest logistics and we don't get into the nitty-gritty like here's what i'm hoping we're going to try like we don't get into that because I think we trust that in the moment we can read each other yeah. and we can kind Again, of take yeah. risks yeah. in a way. And then in the moment we might talk about specifics. Yeah. Well, cause there's because there's trust. It doesn't there's feel so been, out of place. Right. Time has built trust and right. 
yeah, it's founded in the Bible and the gospel. So anyways, I think we're running out of time here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll say a prayer and uh, we'll call it an episode. (laughs) Lord, I thank you for the gift that it is to uh, enjoy uh, one another in marriage. Mm -hmm. God, I thank you that you made sex what it is. I pray that you would conform our view of sex, our our conversations around sex to your view of sex and to how you spoke of sex Mm -hmm. in your word. I thank you that you weren't silent on it. You didn't leave it to us to figure out on our own, but you've given us your word. You've told us uh, to be naked and unashamed and Mm. to pursue one another and to enjoy and drink deep of love and to even in some cases, like in Proverbs 5, to be intoxicated in our love for one another. So I thank you that you have spoken to this. I pray that you would embolden couples to have these conversations Mm. in love and with sensitivity and with mostly just being led by you, Holy Spirit. I pray for couples that have experienced uh, trauma or damage in this area, that you would bring healing, that you would start those healing conversations uh, between them, and that you would bring new life and redemption and reconciliation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this episode is... In the can. Thank you for joining us once again for the Fierce Marriage Podcast. Uh, We will see you again in seven days. Until then... Stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care. Okay.